Before we hop in with our incredible guest here on the Championship Leadership Podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit real quick about my world class, Unleash the Leader Within Experience, a four-day experience that is built to give you momentum in life that will create the movement that will allow you to go out and accomplish goals and outcomes that you have felt like are mountains, like mountains that are almost impossible to overcome. Unleash the Leader Within, you go through this experience, all of the different modalities are strategically put in place to help you to become the person today that will allow you to become the person that you want to be tomorrow. All about creating a life that you love. And we do that in many different ways. We've had incredible results from hundreds of clients that have come through in the last four years that we've been running Unleash the Leader Within. And so if you want to create a new operating system for yourself, if you want to have a level of certainty that would have people respond to you at a much higher level as a leader, inside of your life and you want to go out and have results that like i said you thought at one point were insurmountable and you want to turn mountains into molehills inside of your life and create a life that is unrecognizable take what feels like the impossible and make it possible then go to www.natebailey.org forward slash ulw Let's go! In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. And marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey, baby Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Nick Stagerberg here. He, we are uh, right in each other's backyards, which is awesome. But we were we were actually connected from from someone that's not in our backyards. That was uh, that's always interesting. Todd Armstrong, I believe, is the one that put us together. Todd's amazing. And uh, but nice to meet you. And hopefully uh, there's no Bye. reason we shouldn't meet in person at some point here. But uh, we're, we're really close. How you doing? I think we tried to set this up in person, but we just have demanding schedules mutually. Yeah, and yeah. This is uh this is a great way to get started. Yeah, this is yeah, exactly. Um championship leadership. What comes to mind for you when you hear that? What does that mean to you? Well, to me, it means servant leadership. It means truly having the the heart of a servant. There's a lot of leaders out there who are leaders in in title, or they lead, you know, due to a, a drive for a sense of of significance, or you know, if you 
uh, you know, one anecdote I heard from one of my coaches is if you take a uh, hundred, uh, you know, fortune 500 execs or whatever to the, to a top of a mountain, you ask them, what do you want to shout for the, the whole world to hear? Uh, the majority of them, they would say F you like that's, that, that's uh, you know, he does coaching with some of these people uh-huh. and that's what they, they have this giant chip on their shoulder. And that's, what's kind of propelled them to, you know, larger leadership roles like that. But I don't think that leads to a satisfying life. I think that we all yeah. have uh, a light within us that drives us to serve and to give and to grow. And when we lean into that, just incredible things happen in a way that's, that's really fulfilling. So that's what, that's what championship leadership means to me. I love it. That's beautiful, man. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time, almost five years now, and it's just so fun because it's, it's never the same answer. So appreciate it. What's uh, tell us a little bit more about you and black Swan real estate. I believe you and your, your wife partner up in your business as well. And, and maybe, yeah, just a little bit about the journey and how you got to where you guys are at and what it is that you're up to today. Yeah. You know, my wife, uh, Elaine, she's my full partner in the business. She's a, a lion and uh, it's so neat to be able to uh, work with your spouse. That's a, that's a, a special kind of relationship. You have to have a very close relationship with someone. We're actually doing a, an hour long relationship uh, mastermind call that we're leading here later today on working with your spouse. Cause it's just nice. such a, it's the closest relationship you could ever have. Most people, they just spend, you know, they, they spend more time really at work than they do with their spouse mm-hmm. and kind of hide from work with your spouse or hide from your yeah. spouse or, work or whatever. But when you're working with your spouse, uh, you got to have a good relationship. There's no hiding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> how we got here. Uh, yeah, my wife is a physician trained at Mayo Clinic. I did a whole, uh, whole career in IT, uh, had a couple of very successful startups. You know, the first one went from uh, 13 million in venture capital to 100 million in private equity sales over the course of nine years. That was a, a healthcare banking software development startup. And then I had the privilege to, uh, to create a startup for the Mayo Clinic, uh, the intrapreneurship movement, uh, creating a software development consultancy that would compete with outside vendors for contracts. And over the course of three years, we went from just a handful of people to 13 teams of engineers I was leading, uh, doing about a third of all new development for the enterprise. That was a you know much faster kind of growth trajectory. And that's what I've learned is when you, you know, repetition is the mother of all skill. And the first one took nine, the next one took three. And then this real estate thing was kind of the next startup after that. So I stepped back from my career in IT. My wife stepped back from her career in medicine. And now we have a private equity firm that has about a third of a billion in assets under management. We've been able to grow that in the last, uh, last three years or so. And uh, just serve people in a much more tangible sense. I feel like, you know, housing, lots of people want to make the world a better place, you know, a better place to live but we get to like literally make the world a better place to live just by yeah. creating high quality, you know, housing uh, for our community. And it's uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So this is, this is our latest adventure. And that's kind of the path that brought us here. Take a quick pause here inside of this incredible interview that you are listening to, to let you know about my 100 mile mindset audio book. If you would like a copy for free, you just have to send me a quick email at nate at coachnatebailey.com, or you could send me a private message. I'm all over the place on social media at Coach Nate Bailey Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can even find me on the new social media app out there, Threads, through Instagram. But if you would like the free 100-mile mindset so you could create a 100-mile mindset for yourself based on my experiences, my lessons learned from being an ultra-marathon runner. Shoot me a message. I'll I'll send it to you for free. Well, why real estate, though? I mean, you you guys, your backgrounds were not in real estate. doesn't sound like. Yeah. So in the tech world, when that first startup was getting ready to sell, 
I did a ton of research on what do you do if you're about to win the lottery? Like okay. you hear these stories about people who win the lottery yeah. and they're bankrupt a year later or something like right. that, hundred million dollar payday or whatever. And, and somehow, you know, cause money doesn't, money doesn't really help anything. It, 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 yeah. it amplifies yeah, yeah. who you are, you know, what you do. And so if you have, a, you know, if you're broke, you're going to get even more broke if you, you know, get, get a, a seven or eight or nine figure payday. And all my research said invest in real estate. And I had lots of mentors in my life. I've always been a person who's, who sought out mentors and I researched how they made money and they all made money in real estate. They all had kind of like an active profession. They were an attorney or an accountant yep. or a physician, but the ones who really achieved great financial success, 100% of them achieved it through real estate with, without, without exception. And mm. statistically that's, that's how it works. So the vast majority of millionaires in the United States are made through real estate. And just the average American, even though they're putting away their money into a 401k, the average American, 70% of the net worth is going to come from uh, from real estate, mostly from the equity in their personal home. So even though you're not putting like your retirement money away yeah. into it, it's still real estate is just such a powerful wealth vehicle that you will end up with more wealth in your personal home than you will in your stock portfolio. And I think that says a lot about how good of an investment those two vehicles are, you know, what's, yeah, what's your outcome. Right. So we built a small portfolio over time and uh, eventually had a big enough portfolio that we could kind of step back from, from our day jobs that could support us. And uh, I, uh, I retired for about 24 hours. <laughs> it happened that uh, the, the last day of my job, the following day, there was a, a Tony Robbins seminar. I'd never heard of the guy and yeah. seemed like kind of a cult leader or something. My, my wife got a free ticket for helping someone kind of launch a business. And uh, so we, we took this free ticket to Tony Robbins and that was life changing. That was a pivot, pivot point in my life. And that's where we decided. UPW? Yeah, I went to a UPW in June of 2019. So okay. that was, that yeah. life, life was never the same after that. Right, and we do yeah, tons literally. of, we're in Tony Robbins Platinum and stuff. And we do tons of his contents. They were actually doing an event here for the next five days. We're about to start that event. In any case, that's when we said, you know what, we're going to make our next startup, this whole real estate thing. and Retirement's going to be much shorter than we thought it would be, yeah. uh, and uh, just applying all the you know kind of culture of excellence and uh, unique progressive practices you see in medicine and technology, and applying them to an industry that's it's not very progressive. It's a pretty regressive industry. Your average real estate investor might be seventy years old, still doing things with pen and paper, yeah. might not sell <laughs> very effectively, and we're able to kind of run circles around a lot of these groups with just very progressive management practices. Love it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. What's, um, who, who have been some championship leaders that have impacted you? I mean, Tony Robbins sounds like it's definitely been one for you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, more so always about than who it is. Um, uh, but like, what are some characteristics that really stood out from these individuals that, that really maybe are, are some that you've taken on and helped mold who you are as a leader? Absolutely. So I'll share, share a couple of stories, you know, kind of a, a bland one and then maybe a little more intense one, but I think really good mentors and leaders, what they do is they equip you with a lens through which to see the world. So we all, there's no such thing as reality. There's the reality that you focus on and you have all these lenses that you use to, to see the world. And one of my mentors, he was an attorney, had a large real estate portfolio. And I did some like IT consulting for him basically as an excuse to just learn from him. So when he couldn't find an email in his inbox, he might call me and come out and help him find an email and you know, kind of pepper him with questions, and ask him how he became so successful as I'm helping him with his email. And one day 
It's like, yeah, Nick, I'm looking for this email. I can't find it. It's, it, it's a golf cart invoice. I, it's really important. I need to find that today. I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll come on out. His name is Paul. And I, I'm digging through his email and I pull it up and I'm like, is this it? And it's, it's an invoice for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm like, Paul, how many golf carts is this? Why? I know you like playing golf a lot, but why the heck, yeah. why the heck do you need, you know, hundreds of golf carts? And he's like, oh, it's, it's for the country club. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So are you like helping the country club? Are you like on the board there? You're kind of volunteering or something. He's like, no, no, I, I bought the country club. You know, thanks a lot for the invoice, Nick. Yeah. Like, thanks. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You buried the lead there, Paul. You bought the country club. Like, like it just had not occurred to me that that was even a concept. Like, sure. I, I grew up, you know, homeless from time to time in Section 8 housing on government assistance. So the idea that I could ever be a member of a country club seemed aspirational at the yeah, time. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And the notion that an individual person <laughs> could own the country club. Paul, give me a second. Let's, let's walk back through this. How did you come to own a country club? And he says, well, Nick, uh, you know, a country club, it's, it's just like any piece of real estate, right? And you know that I, I own a bunch of real estate. And I'm like, yeah, but I, yeah, but it's like, it's, it's like a business though, right? It's much, he was like, well, yeah, but like an apartment building, it's just like a business, a house that you rent out. It's just like a business. And they were doing a bad job running their business and they weren't managing it very well. And, and they were kind of running off the good members and they weren't kicking out the bad members. And uh, pretty quickly they were upside down. It doesn't take much, you know, losing much revenue or not controlling your expenses. And suddenly you go from positive to negative. And so I kind of saved them from, you know, foreclosure essentially. And I bought the country club for, you know, eventually the value is essentially the value of the dirt. And then, you know, me, I like to play golf. So I went and played <laughs> golf there a lot and brought all my friends and kicked out the bad num uh, uh, bad uh, members and turned it around. And now, now it's worth a lot more money. And I'm like, well, how much, how much did you pay for a country club? It's like, oh, you know, I, I got it on terms. What, what does that even mean? It's like, oh, you know, I just, I didn't put much down. I helped them get out of this terrible situation and I eventually refinanced it. So I guess, I guess I don't really have any money in it now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You, yeah. you yourself own an entire country club. <laughs> you don't have any, like, like just like, you know, mind expanding. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it really equipped me with a lens that everything you see in the world a person created that a person built that thing. And it's a thing that could be bought or sold that could be mismanaged or the management could be improved and, and you can create value for people everywhere. And so now when I drive down the street, you know, I, I think most people don't even see the world that like, they just see this little kind of very narrow, okay, I'm driving to McDonald's and, you know, I really just see my destination and my world, my car. And that, you know, Paul really helped me see the world as a place, a, a playground where you can yeah, do anything. Right. Uh, and another, you know, another, you know, kind of really salient moment for another big, you know, kind of mentor in my life. You know, I mentioned Tony Robbins. So that first UPW, <clears throat> my my first startup, right before my first startup sold for, you know, for nine figures, uh, they terminated me and seized my stock options. So they actually sent me on a vacation, an all expense paid vacation to say thank you. And for, wow. you know, getting ready to sell. And then while I was on vacation, they made arrangements to fire me. And then I was, uh, was you know, packing up a moving truck to, to relocate to Rochester, Minnesota. My wife matched the mail clinic for her residency. They said, oh yeah, go, you know, you know, you're, you're good to go. Like you built this company. And then as we're, as we're packing up the moving truck, they, they terminated me. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty uh, aggressive maneuver. Uh, and this was the mail clinic? No, 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 no. This was the, that first startup. Oh, and okay. The first one. Yeah. So that, that big payday that I was gearing up for and, you know, yeah. in real estate, you know, to, to rehearse for, 
uh, that, that big payday never came. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it, but I had this giant chip on my shoulder for yeah. years. I had this giant chip doing that second startup for me. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I think my path is guided. I have a, you know, a bachelor's degree in your science, but I also have a bachelor's degree in ministry. And I think, I think God brought me to Mayo where there are no stock options and you're really serving this incredible mission. You know, my software and the, the software, the people that I led, you know, literally saved lives. Yeah. And it gave me some time to, to heal from that. It took a lot of ego to, to, to have the amount of pain that I had kind of built up in, inside myself in that first startup. And I didn't even realize it was there. And when I went to, uh, you know, went to that first UPW, you know, Tony gets you all jacked up Oh yeah. and he says, all right, all right. I want you to think about the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I want you to think about the worst day of your life. And I think for most people that pops right into their mind. Oh yeah. yeah right. well, this person screwed yeah. me or this thing happened. And so for me, oh yeah, the day I got fired, I mean, I had, I had PTSD. I had every single moment I slept for six months. I relived that day. I got fired yeah. when, you know, a decade of my prime years in tech yeah, got right. ripped away from me. I mean, in tech, you get old fast. And that was, yeah. that you know, that was it. And it got taken from me. I had this story I told myself and, and, you know, and Tony gets you whipped up about it. And then and he says, okay, so I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is true, but my hallucination is, you know, what, what if the worst day of your life was actually the best day best. of your life? Yeah. What, because you'll, you'll never confuse like a ho-hum average day or the worst day of your life. But a lot of times you will confuse the best day of your life for the worst day of your life. That's just mm. a problem, a defect in the, in the human brain that you can fix. So how would you hold yourself? Would you have a different posture? Uh, how would you feel about yourself or the people in your life if that was the best day of your life? And I, man, just, just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like for years, I've been carrying these these assholes, these people that, you know, that, that screwed me over and I was going to show them, like, they probably didn't even remember my name. Like, I'm not going to show them anything and I'm not, I'm not going to build this life for them. I'm building this life for me. And in a moment, in a moment, I realized that it really was the best day of my life. It really was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I hadn't been fired, I would just be in the next startup. And the next one after that, because you don't typically get a big payday. You roll forward your equity yeah, into sure. next in the next deal and the next deal. And that's how you get to, you know, have this big puddle of wealth. But I mean, I worked for like 36 hours straight the day my first child was born because mm. that's just the culture in tech. It's a toxic yeah. pressure cooker culture. And I sincerely thank God that that was ripped yeah. away from me. I held right. it so tightly. And that was my identity. I had to. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have done it yourself otherwise, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. So I, I do look back at that as the best day of my entire life. Anyone who's listening today, I would challenge you. Like, think about what is the worst day of your life? And what what if that was the best day of your life? Because yeah. only you get to decide what anything right. needs. These are all things that, that Tony has taught me that, yeah. that you get to write your own story and no one else's. And man, that's that's such a better story, isn't it? And it doesn't matter. Like neither of them are true. It's just it's just right. the meaning that I assign it. And yeah. so today, I, with, with the utmost sincerity, I do... Like, this, this sounds ridiculous, but I will make more in a week today than I made in a year, in years in that career, because all that was taken away from me. I had to rebuild myself. I rebuilt myself so much better, so much more whole, so much more vibrant, so much more passionate, just excited to be alive. And so I, I sincerely thank God that was that was ripped away from me. And, and I do think of it as the best moment of my life. And and those yeah. are the type of things that I think great leaders can can achieve is they can help people 
take control of their destiny and, and yeah. reshape themselves. Yeah, man, that's powerful. I love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And thanks for sharing that. Um, because I think there's, there's the listener right now that's, that's, that's probably still holding on to that worst day. And it, it, Aren't we all? it's, it's crazy to see when we hang on to those things, um, how long we choose to really suffer because of it. So yeah, beautiful. What's, uh, what's, what's a vision for you? What, what are you guys looking to accomplish? What's and more importantly, I guess, like, uh, you know, what's the impact that you're looking to make? Because I think that's a huge part of championship leadership is, is your vision. Amen. So I guess that, you know, that, that, you know, really calls up another big influencer or leader in my life. Uh, his name is, is Christian. And my wife and I were building this real estate portfolio. And then we decided to serve investors and to, you know, help, help them build real estate portfolios. And, you know, Tony kind of illustrated the, the selfishness that in the past we had not served investors that we said, no, this is, this is just for me. In fact, we made up a metaphor to turn away the business. People would come to us all the time and say, hey, we see you're building this real estate portfolio. We'd like to get involved. Could we invest? And we say, no, no, no. We have a lot of kids. So, you know, I've got four kids, uh, seven, five, three, and one. So we're, we're really busy on that front. Hopefully we'll get yeah. some more. But we don't want to open a daycare. We love taking care of our kids, but we don't want to open a daycare, which is just so selfish. So we want to, we want to you know, grow our own wealth. We don't want to help you grow your wealth. And, and we see the, the selfishness of that today. So we started serving investors. And we do kind of one-off small deals and stuff. And when, when Christian came into our life, he, he's in the private equity space, but has a background in tech. And that's kind of how we, how we bonded. He started out almost identical background in technology to me, except he went from selling your company to private equity to becoming private equity. Think about the you know, quantum leap to, yeah. to make that, to make that jump there. And I remember him maybe physically shaking me by the shoulders and saying, Nick, why don't you have a private equity fund? I said, you know, I really don't like the industry. It's, it's, it feels like a very value extraction oriented industry. How many fees and splits can I kind of opaquely take off the table? And he just said, well, Nick, why don't you just change the industry? How crazy is that? You ever have someone who yeah, believes right. more than you believe in yourself and, and believes in you like, this exponential kind of thing that, that you, that, that they think you can achieve that you hadn't even contemplated because it seems so unreachable. And a short while thereafter, we launched our first private equity fund and our, our big, wild, hairy, audacious goal is to, is to change capitalism in some small way, the way, you know, Warren Buffett has changed capitalism uh, with the pledge. You can't keep it. You have to, you have to give it away. So our private equity fund, it has uh, no fees whatsoever, which is just unheard of in the industry. We get no profit from it until our investors have gotten a full return of capital. And that's a 50-50 split after that. So it's something that like my seven-year-old could easily understand. Whereas your yeah. typical private equity fund, uh, most of the income that comes to the fund manager comes in the form of opaque fees that no one really understands how any of this stuff works. Right. And it's really just a, a race to see who can kind of squeeze the most value out of the investor or the operator or the asset or, or whatever it is. And then 5% of our profit goes to our staff and a profit share. And 5% of our profit goes to charity. We built a school last year, a 40,000 square foot school. It's the coolest thing I've ever done with my life. And we're already making a, a small change in the, you know, kind of small ecosystem of real estate syndication, private equity funds that, that we play in. And it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a long-term, it's a long-term business plan. It's, it's not a quick flip. It's a indefinite hold period. In fact, we've never sold anything because we think that long-term hold really aligns incentives between the investors and management and, uh, and the residents ultimately, because I've looked at apartment buildings where they've transacted five times in the last 10 years. And it's, 
it's not a good thing for society when yeah. when you have that that sort of business plan coming through town, that new business plan coming through town every couple of years. So we we make money, we make lots of money. It turns out that doing the doing the right thing is actually the yeah. the profitable thing to do. Great, right. crazy. Imagine that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, but we think that we are making the world a, a better place, and that and, and that trickles all the way down to the kind of the the, the micro scale. So just a you know quick quick story to explain what we do. You know, we're not a uh, we're not we're not a faith based business. Let me be clear about that. But we are very values driven. So we bought a we bought a, a class D apartment building in a historic area, a beautiful historic building, but it was a hundred years old, hadn't been renovated in that whole time. And it had been managed that way, you know, the way you manage a building like that. Yeah. And one of the units in the basement, the tenant, um, you know, hadn't paid rent in a couple of years. This was during the, the COVID, uh, you know, eviction moratorium. And there was drugs and prostitution and God knows what else happening in that unit. And we couldn't even get into it before we bought the building. And you tend to get those buildings at a discount when when you're buying, you know, a set of problems like that. Yeah. And the day after closing, we... Uh, did a, a safety inspection on the unit. We you know, not, noticed the tenant get, did a safety inspection. We said, listen, we're going to inspect for any safety hazards and, and remove those, you know, for the safety of all tenants in the building. And we walked in, it was pretty, it was a pretty devastating scene. I mean, I, growing up, I have seen some shit and this yeah. was just unlike anything else I've ever yeah. seen. Uh, we had to go back and get like a, like a Home Depot bucket to fill with drug paraphernalia. And we had to remove pipes and all, all manner of stuff. Yeah. And we said, you know, technically this is your property. If you'd like us to return it, you know, we're required to do so. Uh, and we'll make sure law enforcement's present as we you know, remand custody of that personal property. So just let us know if you'd like us to return this personal property. And we're going to be back tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And we support this, you know, drug rehab program in our community. Uh, you know, my wife's father died of a drug overdose. There is zero judgment in our heart for your life and your soul and the, the beautiful person that you are. We want to serve you and we are happy to dial a phone to give you a ride, whatever it takes. And we will not give up until we serve you. Do you understand? And we had to come back uh, just, just a few more times. And that person, uh, you know, found, found help and is in a, a much better place today. And that unit is now a beautiful unit that we've, you know, did a gut remodel on. And uh, it's a it's a win win win. We were able to, I think, steer a person's life back towards, well, frankly, life. I mean, I don't think they had much time left with the way they were living their life, yeah. and uh, a way that you know serves the community. And and then ultimately, again, it's, it's crazy, but doing the right thing is actually the very profitable thing to do when you can buy a building like that and execute that kind of turnaround. Most people who do what we do, they they buy, you know, an apartment building and they, you know, repaint the counters and repaint the cabinets and repaint the tubs. And they have to flip it before the renovations, quote unquote, wear out. Like you're not doing it right if your renovations yeah. wear out after 18 months. Right. So we rip out the cabinets, we rip out the counters, put in premium cabinets and stone counters that are going to last for a century. And then when we still own that building 20 years from now, we're going to be you know, really happy with it. And we don't increase the value of the building by like 10% the way most people do. We double the value of that building. And it's extraordinarily profitable when you're able to, to kind of execute that sort of turnaround. So that's that's kind of our vision is to just keep doing that, do more of that. We've got a third of a billion assets under management today. I think we'll have, you know, you know a billion assets under management in the not so distant future. And we're going to we're a proof of concept. Uh, we think that the world is and will take note of the way we do business. And 
with any luck, it, it changes the world for the better in some, in some small way and whatever small impact that we can make. So that's, that's our vision right there. Love it. Great vision. Beautiful. Well, I know our time is wrapping up here shortly. So um, just one last question really for the listener, if there's, you know, one or two things you could give to them today that they would take action on what uh, and help move their life forward today, what would that be? Sure. So I know many of your listeners are uh, entrepreneurs, real estate, you know, they're, they're in a leadership role of some kind or another, or would like to be in a leadership role. And in order to be a leader, you have to have followers. So I, I, I hate to point out, the Amen. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just how it is. And I would, I would vigorously encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, and you're contemplating hiring someone, bringing on a new W-2 employee in whatever organization you're a part of, your organization, someone else's organization, go make that hire, go make that job posting. We're about to be in a labor market that's a lot more favorable. It's about to be a lot easier to hire people. And I find that most people, they're doing the emotional or rational calculus wrong on hiring new people. They see payrolls liability. I don't want my payroll to get too big. I can't support it. Well, every single person you hire, they should be bringing in an amount of profit equal to their salary and hopefully greater. So, so just out of the gate, if you are hiring and you're worried you can't make payroll with those hires, like you have a poor business model, you're not charging enough, you like, like you're not, you're not ready. But then I find there's a whole other camp of people where they know that they could probably keep that person busy. They could probably support that person, but they say to themselves things like they have, they have limiting beliefs. They say, I can't afford that person, or I don't have enough cash to pay that person's salary right now. I don't have enough cash flow to pay that person's salary. So we have a, a rule of thumb. We keep one year of salary on, in cash on hand, just, just to support that burn. I think that's a, a sacred covenant we have with our, with our W2 employees yeah. uh, that we're not going to grow too fast. So we have to have, you know, layoffs and that sort of thing, but that's a, that's an extreme, you know, kind of, kind of cash position to occupy Sure. for most people. You know, let's say it takes 90 days to get a new employee up to speed. And we have check-ins at 30, 60, 90 days. And we make sure that employee, they're getting up to speed and they're able to support their salary by reducing expenses or increasing revenue in an amount that pays for their salary. So mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to shift that calculus that they're making just a little bit. I find people, they rely on 1099 contractors. They try to stretch their existing workforce, which really just kind of kills morale and lowers your revenue or increases your expenses somewhere else in a way you can't see. I promise you it is. Yeah. If you're trying to just squeeze productivity out of the people you have now. So I'd encourage you, if you're thinking about it right now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, put it on pause and go put up a job posting, uh, go talk to a headhunter, go hire that person you are thinking about hiring and make them successful. And if they're not successful 30, 60, 90 days in, you're failing them. You, you either hired wrong and you need to fix that, or you're failing them. You're not leading them, training them, onboarding them the right way. You don't have to have the business today that can support them. You need to be able to build the business today that can support them. And they are going to help you build that business. That'd be hopefully an, an actual item. Anyone listening to this thing could just, just take action on right now. Amen. I love it. That's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it today, Nick. Uh, for the listeners, stay right here. Don't go anywhere. If you've enjoyed this conversation, there's, there's more to come in the next episode. Again, thanks, Nick, for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. No doubt you enjoyed that incredible episode of the Championship Leadership Podcast, as always. And this is, again, just a, a gentle nudge and reminder to go check us out at natebailey.org forward slash ULW if you want to transform your life to one that you love, to go out and accomplish things in your life that you've been thinking and dreaming about and, and just have maybe felt that it wasn't even possible at some point. If that is you and you want to take your life to the next level, go again, natebailey.org forward slash ULW. 
Let's have a conversation and let's change your life for the better. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, Bailey. Hey, babe.